It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. Hey everybody, it's Brian. Just a heads up, this episode of the No Huddle Podcast was recorded Thursday afternoon, October 20th at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. In the episode, we do talk about the possibility of the 49ers trading for Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey. And a mere four hours and change later, news came across the wire that the 49ers did indeed acquire Christian McCaffrey from the Carolina Panthers. We will have an emergency pod covering that trade, but please enjoy this episode of the No Huddle Podcast. 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast. I'm Al Sacco with Brian Rennick and Zane Nockby. Guys, you feeling any better? You, you, you in a better mood? You still angry? What, what's everybody feeling like? I don't know, man. Like, we we got the, the Chiefs this week, and the, hey, look, Trent, Trent Williams coming back. We just found that out right before the show. I think that's great. They got a chance. But on the flip side, Mooney may not play. So your best, your best DB, arguably, is not probably not going to be playing in this game when you need him. So have they figured out the offensive problems in four days? I don't know. <laughs> I really hope so. But it's, it's to me, it's looking kind of bleak when it comes to Kansas City and trying to beat them because if the Niners were healthy and fully healthy, I'd say that this is much more of a fair matchup. But the, Kansas City is just so good. And Mahomes is so good. He's on pace for over 50 touchdowns without Tyreek Hill, which has been ridiculous. So all of that stuff kind of encapsulates how I feel and I'm not overly optimistic, but you never know. It is the, it's the NFL, right? Zane still sounds sad. Brian, happy, <laughs> sad. Here's the thing. A couple things, right? We're going to, we'll see if the math is mathing here, right? 94 red throwbacks. Aaron Andrews on the sidelines. <laughs> home underdogs or just underdogs. All three of those things typically mean a Niner victory. So all three of those things happening on the same day, along with the 2012 team coming back to celebrate the, I mean, we're celebrating an NFC championship. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but regardless. <laughs> and Harbaugh will be in the building. So, man, the vibes are immaculate. The vibes are immaculate. So I'm feeling pretty good. Do I think that they're going to win this game? You know, honestly, you're going to have to wait till the end of the show, right? We're going to we're going to have our predictions, but uh, in terms of vibes, can't ask for anything better right now. All right, so Brian's feeling good. Zane seems sad. You guys know I'm a miserable prick all the time, anyway. So I still will maintain <laughs> to do that. But you know, hey, I went on um John Chapman's show yesterday, 49ers Rush. Awesome. What a, yeah. what a great guy John is. Awesome yeah. dude. And he's like very optimistic and he's got a very positive vibe to him. And again, I am a miserable prick. So we had this like really good dynamic of him being positive and me just tearing everything down. But it was like, it was good. I thought it was a really good show. If you, if, you, if our listeners have listened to it, it's, you should check it out. Um, Fortinari's Rush, John Chapman um, with, with me, El Sacco. Uh, anyway, awesome. guys. All right. So let's, lot lot of stuff to get to here. We just recorded a yeah. couple of days ago, but there's, there's some stuff we got to do. And I think I want to start out with, you know, I wanted to hit on what you said about the 2012 team coming back and, and look back to that era. Talk about a couple things with the Niners, too, in terms of the sloppy play we were talking about. But I got to start out because this is just this could turn into a really big story is Tim Kawakami tweeted 
um, just a little while ago that he thinks the Niners, there's an increasing sense that the 49ers are leading contenders, maybe the lead contenders to land Christian McCaffrey. Now, we know that Kyle really likes to have a running back that he can use in all sorts of different ways. He, that's why they paid for Jarek McKinnon, right? They really wanted McKinnon to come in. And when McKinnon got hurt, Kyle said that he, it was huge for him because he had planned his offense around him. And he's kind of been looking for that guy. So I'm not surprised here that, that they have interest in him. I personally, while McCaffrey is a dynamic player, I'm on team never pay a running back. It's kind of the way I feel about it. And if you look at McCaffrey, he had 326 touches in 1,965 scrimmage yards in 2018. 2019, 403 total touches, 2,392 scrimmage yards. I mean, the guy was just, you know, an absolute beast, obviously. But that kind of volume, he gets hurt, right? In the next year, he misses 13 games. 2021, he's hurt for 10 games. And this year, he's been healthy so far. But he's got a hefty contract. We'll see what they would have to give up for him. Could it help in the interim? Sure. And it'd be exciting to have him. But I don't know, guys. How do you feel about this? Is this another injured player? Do we do we want to give up that kind of capital for a running back? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, honestly, it depends on the capital. Because the contract, as bloated and gross as it looks on paper, it's actually not that bad. Um, McCaffrey's scheduled to make 11.8 in 2023 and 2024 and 12 million in 2025. None of that is guaranteed. So that means that whatever team gets him, be it the 49ers or the Rams, who it still seems feels likely that that's, that's the team. I sure hope not, but it is what it is. Uh, it really is about setting up for a restructure, right? Because again, none of that is guaranteed. In fact, whatever team trades for him, I believe he only counts about a million on the cap for 2020, uh, 2022. So the contract isn't that bad. The question is, what is the compensation that you're going to have to give up? And are you going to get arguably, I would say bamboozled by trying to keep him away from, from a, from a division rival? Possibly, but you look at what the 49ers have in terms of what they can offer, and you're looking at a first round pick, but not until 2024. And then you're looking at second round picks. Well, if you give up your 2023 second round pick, now you're not picking until the third round. So I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to justify that kind of draft capital for a player that is on the older end of the running back spectrum and a player that is as oft injured as he has. We're already, we're already the most injured team in the NFL right now, according mm-hmm. to uh, Fox's, I can't remember what they called their metric, most, ba- oh, m- like most banged up or something like that. The 49ers were, were, were the 32nd ranked team, meaning the most. So I, I, if, if, it's not, if it's not a second round pick or a first round pick, or if it's not at the very least, the 2023 second round pick, I could be on board because uh, I do think that he would add quite the element to this offense. But the question becomes, how many games are you going to get out of him? I mean, as long as they don't trade any fifth round picks, right? That's all. Just right. Those are, the money picks. Those, <laughs> the money picks. those are the money picks. Those are the money picks. So Christian McCaffrey didn't miss a game in his first three seasons. He played all 16 in his first three seasons. The last three seasons, well, last two full and then and then the, the partial here, he's played a, a, a total of 16 games so 
yeah, the, the injury bug has caught up to him a little bit. I mean, he's only 26 years old now. Like, he's not he's not an old dude. He's only 26. Yeah, running back years, though. Running it back depends. years. A lot of, I say a lot of miles on those 26-year-old yeah. legs. It, it depends on how you use them, right? So he is the threat in Carolina. There's nothing else there. And it's been like that for, for basically since he's been in the league. DJ, they, they DJ Moore shade, right? Huh? DJ Moore DJ shade. Moore, I mean, DJ Moore, <laughs> DJ Moore's a good player, but like he's not a guy that, that will carry your offense, right? It, that's a nice piece to have, but DJ Moore is not like a, like a, not like a one a receiver. Like he's, he's a good receiver, but I mean, like he's not a guy that you would, you would expect would get touches over Christian McCaffrey. So unless paying him like hurt, yes. I mean, that's another story, right? <laughs> that, that's, that's a, that's a David Tepper and Matt yes. rule thing, right? Like that's yes. going to be, that's, that's that. But, yeah. um, you know, would I love it if he came here? Fan, that would be fantastic because the more blue chip players you have, the better your team's going to be, but it's not that simple. It's not black and white like that. There's always a gray area and that gray area to me, it's two things. It's, it's the injury history, which yeah, that does worry me at a position that does get injured at a position where the Niners are constantly thin. Like the, it seems like every year the running back number one goes down early and it's a bunch of other guys filling in. And the second thing is, is okay. Awesome. You got him. How is Kyle going to use him? If you get him, are we going to see Christian McCaffrey being a decoy on fourth and two while Trent Williams takes a handoff in the backfield or something? Like, are we, you know, are we going to, are we going to see something <laughs> ridiculous like that? Or are you actually gonna give him the ball and actually going to feature him? Like you should feature a, a blue chip player. And that to me is like, if you, if you don't have a spot for him, if you don't have a use for him, don't make the trade. But if you're just going to trade for him and he's going to be a decoy while you throw, while you continue throwing passes to Charlie Warren, by the way, this is where my mind is at. So yes, I'm still sad. But while you're still, <laughs> you're still throwing passes to Charlie Warner and, and Ray Ray McLeod and, and Christian McCaffrey's a decoy. Like there's no use of having him and giving up the capital. If you get him, you have to feature him. And if they feature him, you have an offense with Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Elijah Mitchell. Off, Elijah Mitchell. Mm. You are not beating that offense if they're if they're run correctly and if they can stay healthy. I was yeah. oh, go ahead, Al. I was gonna say I can't wait to have McCaffrey and Elijah Moore back there and on fourth and one to pitch the ball to Kevin Coleman. Can't wait. <laughs> Exactly. Elijah Mitchell. Elijah, <laughs> Elijah Mitchell. Mitchell. Elijah, Elijah, Elijah Moore, by the way, I heard could be on the trade block as well. I would be interested in him as a player. That's the yeah. uh, second year wide receiver for the New yeah. York Jets. Yeah. I was, I was spe specifically on McCaffrey, and then we can move on. I was talking to my buddy. Shout out Chris Kelly, the best chiropractor in the Sacramento area. Um, and my question is would the 49ers, or specifically Kyle Shanahan, look at what the Rams did last year where they went all in to get that, that Super Bowl victory and go, you know what, this is the move we need to make and, and make that move for Christian McCaffrey. I think they could, I think they, uh, I think they could, um, somebody just commented, do you guys hear about, uh, Brian Burns wanting to be traded here? He is posting Jimmy G highlights on his Instagram. I Brian mean, Burns also posted a, a photo of a Ram. He yes. also posted a photo of a Jaguar. Yeah, Brian Burns cool, is yeah. just trying to get up out of Carolina because he re he recognizes the sinking ship. Here's the thing about Brian Burns, as awesome as that would be, he is up for a contract extension just like uh, just like Nick Bosa, and I just don't think that they can uh, justify spending you know upwards of fifty to sixty million dollars on two edge players. Just seems like a little bit too much. Drake Jackson, twenty one years old. Let's go ahead and develop him. He's cheap for a while, second round pick. So yeah, as as 
uh, Brad Graham of the SF Niners is a huge Brian Burns fan. And, uh, and I am as well. I just don't think that would work out. Agree. Agree. He'd be great to have, but I, I don't think it's somebody that, that they're going to be able to target for the reasons you said. All right, moving on. So they are um, honoring the 2012 NFC championship team this weekend with Jim Harbaugh and, and everybody else. And I agree with you, Brian. I, I don't know about honoring a <laughs> NFC championship team. Uh, when you, Jed York says we only hang Super Bowl banners, but whatever. It's fun, I guess, for the fans. It's good to have them back. And it got Stirred up some debate and some talking. And listen, I, I personally, like, you got to honor your history. I love talking about the history of the team. And I think it's fun to compare and contrast. I mean, look, the Niners have had, what, seven coaches since 2000, last 20 years or whatever. They've all been horrible except Shanahan and, and Harbaugh. So mm -hmm. let's look at the two good ones and talk about it. I don't see anything wrong with that. But where, where my mind goes with this when I hear about Harbaugh, I just remember, you know, there were some dark years, man. And we get into 2011. The 2011 team is one of my favorite, not just Niners teams, sports teams of all time. Because you had a team that everybody thought was going to be terrible. Nobody thought that team was going to be good. And you had Alex Smith, who was a complete, you know, was going to be a cast off. And they asked him the year before, do you think you're going to return? And he laughed. And then Harbaugh comes in his, his introductory press conference. And he's like, I really like Alex Smith. And that was sort of the start of Alex Smith turning into a very good quarterback for the last half of his career, a Pro Bowl quarterback for the last half of his career. And that was such a memorable season, man. They just kept winning and winning and winning. They go 13-3, and three, and the Saints playoff game was one of the best ever, right? Just so much fun to see Smith come back and have his moment and Vernon Davis have his moment. And then they, they lose in the NFC Championship game. And I remember I, I was in a bar with all my friends, right? All Giants fans, right? Because I had... I'm going to live in New York. Sure, New York. York. Yeah. And I just remember sitting like I'm in the corner by this small TV, just watching the fumble happen and the field goal happen and being like, don't cry. Don't cry. I could have cried. <laughs> I didn't cry. I'm a man. Damn it. I didn't cry. But it was, <laughs> let me tell you what, it was awful. But I remember that year in 2012, 2013, as, as much as they all ended at heartbreak, those were fun years. They were mm -hmm. a good team. Everybody knew they were a good team and it translated on the field. They won 13 games and 11 games and 12 games. They were really, really good. They were really, really physical. Those were really fun years. So it's good to look back on that. Harbaugh was crazy. It all kind of went to hell in that fourth season that, you know, with the issues with Jed and everything. But um, look, man, I look back on it fondly and it's fun to remember guys like Willis and Gore and Smith and Harbaugh and everybody else. So it's, it's it, that part of it's awesome. Yeah, it's. It, I remember. I remember where I was when news broke that the 49ers were signing Jim Harbaugh. I was in a parking lot at a Chick Fil A in the Sacramento area, and I remember just being ecstatic, just absolutely ecstatic, because I knew that that meant good things for my squad, and I never expected his first season, you know, for them to 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 make it all the way to the NFC Championship game. And the, I, it feels like the debate, like you talked about, Al, the debate that has raged a little bit on 49ers Twitter at the very least is essentially kind of who, who, was, who did a more impressive job? Uh, Jim Harbaugh, who inherited a roster that was already pretty full of, of talented but underachieving players, or Kyle Shanahan, who inherited a, uh, a, you know, a roster of garbage and then built it up in two years into a, uh, a a super bowl contender and i mean you know 
five and or six in one hand, one half dozen in the other, right? Like I don't, I don't know what's more impressive, nor do I really care. They're both, they both did what they were brought here to do. And Harbaugh, the only difference is Harbaugh's personality is a little bit more difficult to deal with. And, and so crazy. call it like, it yeah, is. he is, he is. And so, you know, very much like a meter, he burns bright, but then he burns out. Right. And, and that happened at San Diego that happened at, uh, at Stanford and, and it happened in, in San Francisco. Now, granted, I, I think he, I think his shtick plays better in college, which is why he's still at Michigan and probably still could have stayed at Stanford if, if uh, Jed didn't come calling, but, I, I'm not, I'm not here to, I'm, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> like it doesn't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care who is the better head coach, right? Harbaugh has three NFC championship game appearances and one Super Bowl appearance. Shanahan has two NFC championship game appearances and one Super Bowl appearance. They both lost the one big game that they've been in. So in all reality, they're even, they're tied. They are what they are, right? Until if, or until Shanahan wins a Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I'm not interested in that debate, right? I'm not interested in dividing the fan base to Harbaugh or, or Shanahan because I tweeted out earlier today or earlier this week. And, and I genuinely believe this with the frustration that is building uh, amongst this fan base, just because of the, the short, the, the slow start, the season ending injury to Trey, you know, the, the offensive, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it doldrums right if the 49ers are struggling either at halftime or if if it's evident that you know things this game is going to end in a, in a kc victory i genuinely think oh, there's a non-zero chance that you're going to start hearing some harbaugh chants in that crowd with him in the stadium and i think that is going to make harbaugh's life i genuinely do I, I remember it. So I was at the game. I was at his last game with the Niners and subsequently, I guess, in the NFL until further notice. And they won, but everybody was literally just sad. Like after the game, mm -hmm. nobody was happy. Like, I will never forget that. They won. And then, you know, Frank Gore took his lap around the field and everything. And that happened to be Patrick Willis's last game too. And that happened to be Justin Smith's last game too. And that happened to be, you know, like several other guys that, that just didn't come back. Like, I think, I think Upati was let go after that. And I think that um, Anthony Davis was let go. So all these guys were gone, right? It was the end of an era. And I think that everybody was sad because like, there's a, look, there's a lot of younger Niner fans that don't remember like the early 2000s, right? Or when Steve Young got hurt, basically. Like that's kind of when it all started. And he had a couple years of Garcia. Friggin' right? Aeneas Williams. I hate that guy. Friggin' Aeneas Williams. <laughs> so when Steve Young went down, like they were terrible the rest of that season. And then they ended up getting Garcia. They were terrible for 2000. And then 21, sorry, 2001 and 2002, they, they made the playoffs, right? And, uh, you know, they lost to Green Bay the first year in Green Bay, freaking Favre. And they lost, <laughs> you know, the eventual Super Bowl champion to Bay Buccaneers the next year. But then after that, Marichu was fired. And you've got Dennis Erickson, who was awful, one of the worst head coaching hires ever until Tom Sula. Then Mike Nolan, who was also awful. Then he was fired in favor of Mike Singletary, uh, Mike Singletary, who was, you know, a motivator and a rah-rah guy. Tom Sula coached in the middle for one game, and then Harbaugh came. And, like, it was just this revolving door of coaches, and there was no hope anywhere. The Niners, yeah, they were, they were an underachieving team, but look, like, 
you know, Patrick Willis was, was and Frank Gore were really the only blue chip players on, on those teams. Like they, they signed Justin Smith and he, you could argue that he was, he was that as well. So they had three blue chip players. Bowman, Alden Alden Smith. Bowman, no, no, Alden Smith was not drafted yet. Remember that Alden Smith, I'm talking about. Oh, you're, oh, you're you're talking about. Oh, okay. I'm talking about what Harbaugh inherited, not what he, not what he built. Right. So they had very few blue chip players. So the idea that like he inherited this great roster, I mean, that's just not, that's not true. Like they, they the, the corners, like they had to go sign Carlos Rogers. Terrell Brown was nothing. Goldson was nothing before that. They signed Whitner, you know, like they, they made a bunch of moves when he got there. Right. That's, that's the reality of it. They, they got Ted Ginn, who was a nothing player. And then he just became like the league's best punt returner for like two years. Right. So to me, like, I don't, I don't care about this debate either. I think it's, I think it's fun to compare eras. But the only thing that kind of irks me is that I don't understand what Kyle's really done to, to, to earn so much loyalty from the fan base to, for them to say that, like, oh, the third winningest coach in franchise history is worse than what Kyle has produced. So that's the one thing here that I'm like, okay, are you saying this because he's the coach now? Or are you saying this because you actually believe it? Because to me, like, Kyle hasn't done anything to show that he's better than Harbaugh, maybe equal. Right, I think that we can agree that they're probably equal, but he hasn't done anything to show that he's actually better than him. Jim Harbaugh accomplished more than Kyle's in three years. Accomplished more than Kyle's accomplished here in six years. Let me let me read you a stat here that I have here. And mind you, salary has no indication on like it's it's no reflection on how good a person should be, but just just something very interesting. So these are the top twenty five. Uh, this this came off a list of the top twenty five uh, highest paid coaches in U.S. sports right now. Um, with the exception of Sean Payton, who's retired now. But on this list, Bill Belichick's number one. Number two is Pete Carroll. Sean Payton would have been number three if he if he was still coaching. Andy Reid's number four. Greg Popovich, number five. Mike Tomlin, number six. Nick Saban, number seven. Jimbo Fisher, number eight. These college coaches just raking it in, right? Damn. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a racket. The, the ninth highest paid coach, well, eighth now that Popovich is gone, uh, that uh, Sean Payton's gone, eighth highest paid head coach in U.S. sports is Kyle Shanahan. He's no. the only really yes. He's he's paid over he's nine million dollars. Highest paid Kyle, coach in U.S. sports. Kyle Shanahan is paid more than Steve Kerr. Can you like, like when I saw this, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I'll I'll send I'll I'll message you guys offline and I'll send you the link. To, to yeah, I know. I definitely want to see that. I didn't know but, that. And he is the only coach on this list that has a losing record. The only coach, and then after Kyle, it's Steve Kerr, and then and Dabble Swinney, and then and then Frank Reich. Also, Frank Craig, I don't know why he's on that list, but yeah. So that to me is like, okay, like, you know, he's the only coach, number one, that, that has a losing record on that list. And him and Frank Reich are only co- the only coaches on that list that have never won a championship. Yeah, Frank so, Reich. So it's just, that's the only thing, right? I don't care about, it's fun to debate. It's cool, but it's like, come on, like, let's, let's at least like do justice to what Harbaugh did here. And I realize that a lot of people don't, may not remember but it's the the guy was a was a crazy person, but he was a damn good head coach. Yeah, and I think you know, I think to the debate stuff, I, I I think it's fine. I know if if you're somewhere in like Twitter where it's just you know like a snake pit and everything else, but like it's it's good. I think it's it's great to compare the two. Like if you're gonna have like a, a realistic, smart conversation about it, like there's anything wrong with that. You know, mm-hmm. the good traits, the bad traits. You know, what they were good at, what they weren't, stuff like that. I think I think it's great. Yeah, Shanahan's 40, what, 42 and 45 as a head coach. Correct. And Harbaugh was 44, 19 and one in four years. And uh, Harbaugh's five and three in the playoffs. Shanahan's four and two. So 
that's with that. But, you know, I always thought with Harbaugh, it wasn't that they got rid of him because if it, it did get, because I heard whispers too, the locker room was kind of sick of the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it wasn't that they replaced him. It's what they did after they, they replaced him or after they, they got, they moved on. I should say it's that they went to Tom Sula instead of maybe saying, listen, we have a good thing going. Let's promote Fangio, keep mm-hmm. everything intact and kind of keep going. They bring in Tom Sula because of whatever. And then that's a one year thing. And then the, you know, we, we, I don't have to go through the history. We all know what happened. But I think, yeah, that was kind of it. It was like what happened after. The yeah. Do, do you remember the exodus of players after Harbaugh was fired? Like yeah. there's several players that just left that were just like, I'm not, I'm not playing for Tom Sula. It and was, Willis uh, was one of them. I wrote an article about it. It was like March 13th or something like that. It was like one of the worst days in like 49ers history. Yeah. Like Willis yeah. retires and like just everything bad that could have happened, happened. Like it was, it was absolutely crazy. So. Yeah, it was. Also, also, I want to really quickly give Kyle those flowers because he deserves credit for him, Adam Peters, Mark Mayhew, John Lynch. Like they were just left for dead, and they turned this team around in two years. So they absolutely like that's that's where I see like he, he gets and should deserve that loyalty from the fan base. Like he turned around this program and he was instrumental in turning this program around. Like him more so than any other person, more so than Adam Peters, more so mm-hmm. than Mark Mayhew, more so more so than Lynch more so than Jimmy, like Kyle is the biggest reason why they are turned around. Right. So he, he absolutely deserves credit for that. I just think it's hilarious because the Niners are all about drama. I feel like there's always drama with this team. There's not a more comical time for Harbaugh in this team to come in than right now, because this is the first time I think five and a half years, people are starting to kind of get pissy with Shanahan. Yeah. And like, it's just a perfect time. And like, I think you said it, I I think it was Brian. Brian, Yeah. Yeah, if it's bad at halftime, like it's just gonna be, it's gonna be hilarious. So <laughs> yeah. sit back and just enjoy it because this fan base is nuts. And like, if it's thirty-five to whatever, like it was the first time they met in the two thousand eighteen when Jimmy got it, hurt. It would, the yeah. game Jimmy got hurt. Yeah, a lot of bad memories with the Chiefs, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Super Bowl. I don't think of that. All right, yeah. let me bring up one more awful thing because that's what I do, and then we'll get into um the the. Uh, <laughs> What are we doing? The preview. Yeah, that's what I'm preview. All right. Go. So I was looking, we were talking about the Niners sloppy play. So I was looking through some stats because that's also what I do. They have a 10.8% drop percentage this year as a team, according to pro football reference. The next closest team are the Jets and the Browns at 8.6. The Niners have dropped 19 passes on 179 attempts. They've dropped 11% of Jimmy's throws, 10% of Lance's throws in the small time. And I know there's other factors. There's ball placement, there's weather and things like that. That's overall really bad. And that's kind of been consistent for the last five years or whatever it's been. Um, the two biggest culprits this season, uh, John Jennings has four drops in 20 attempts. Debo has seven drops this year. And I have a real hard time saying anything about Debo because they probably wouldn't have won seven games if it wasn't for him last year. But the one sort of knock on his game, he has 293 um, targets in his career. He's dropping 29 passes. So that's... It's like 10%. That's a pretty yeah. big drop rate. And again, you don't always know the factors. And again, I'm not knocking Debo because the guy puts the team on his back. But it is a thing with them in terms of the sloppiness. I was shocked when I saw that. That was kind of crazy in terms of the stat. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's it's not it's not like they've got Josh Allen throwing laser beams to them, right? It's it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Like how are you dropping Jimmy Garoppolo passes? That's what doesn't make sense to me. The the one thing that Jimmy does, Jimmy throws a really pretty ball. Like it, it's a very catchable ball. Now, granted, his accuracy at times can struggle, and and I think now my question is how do you, how are drops measured? Right, like for example, right. that play for uh, with Debo uh, in the red zone, right where 
Debo's coming on a slant. Jimmy throws behind him. He gets his hand back, tips the ball, doesn't get intercepted, right? But it falls incomplete. Is that a drop? I don't know. I That's the one question that I have in terms of how you're measuring drops because sometimes if if you're measuring it like that, well, then you're really you're you're doing a disservice to the wide receiver who's trying to make a tremendous play and 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 just can at that point. I don't really count that as a as a drop, but I mean that was part of the conversation when it came to the extension for Debo, right? That was one of the things you look at, like, oh man, he's got a pretty high drop percentage. Is that somebody that you want to spend that kind of money on? And ultimately, I think his impact is so much greater than just his dropped passes. I think he can overcome those, but. If if Debo is going to be dropping passes, then you can't have guys like Jennings or McLeod or Kittle dropping passes, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's the one thing that I appreciate about Ayuk is Ayuk is pretty sure-handed. I I don't I haven't seen him drop many. I don't know if you have the stats up, Al, or if you could find them. I'll see if I can find but, them. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, what do you do? Like, stay after practice and hit the jugs machine, like. I imagine these guys know what they need to do. So why does it keep happening? And that's one of the questions that I don't know that we have an answer to, but that is one of the things obviously that needs to get cleaned up with this offense. Uh, if, if they plan on, on doing anything for the season and, and into the postseason. Injuries and drops. And I, I don't know if there's, if there's anything to be said about like being in rhythm and having the ball come your way and be being ready for the ball. Like, I, I think that, I thought that when, when they played in Carolina, Debo had a couple plays where he, you know, just, just a couple of bad drops over there that it was just him kind of nervous because he was playing in front of his family and friends and all that stuff. But that being said, you know, I'm going to ask you guys, like, do you think that there's anything to like, well, Werner only gets the ball thrown his way, like a couple times a game or Ray Ray only gets the ball thrown his way, like once every two games, for example. Right. And they're just not getting used to getting the ball. So they drop it. I'm not making excuses, but I mean, is there, is there something to that? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Um, and Ayuk has 11 drops in his career. He averages about 5% drop rate, which is... So half, half of what Debo yeah. is. Did yeah. you guys see... You, Zane, you brought up the injuries, and I got to make sure. Was it Vish who had Joukowsky Tart on his... It was Vish, yeah. Vish, yeah. 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 Um, my best friend, Joukowsky Tart. Um, um, <laughs> and he mentioned on the uh, podcast that Vish asked him about injuries, which I thought was a great question. And he yeah. mentioned that when he was a short time he was with the Eagles, that they where they still had high intensity practices, but they didn't hit as much in training camp. And he said, Kyle is, they hit a lot. And he, you know, basically that they're pretty beat up in training camp. And I thought that was pretty eye opening. Um, that's kind of the first, well, didn't Trent Taylor say something like that too, when he left, yeah. he alluded to something. So like, yep. you know, uh, you know, I know we've been piling on Kyle this week, but the injuries don't stop. Maybe it does have something to do with being too physical. I mean, you have a couple players say it now, I thought that was really interesting, but listeners, check that out. Vish, Vish, I don't know Vish's last name. I'm sorry if you guys do. Kumarin. Kumarin. Okay, but check yeah. him out. It was a great interview. It was a great question that he asked him. So, yeah. I mean, drops are drops are going to happen. The question is, again, is it is it going to be consistent, or can we see it? Can we see it change? And and good news, Zane. Uh, Tyler Croft has been a, a full participant in practice, so maybe those throws that go to Charlie Warner will go to Tyler Croft now. But that's the, and that's more. Nothing more than I want to see. I want to see Tyler Croft targeted eight times on the weekend. Give him all the targets. Yes. Trade for Christian McCaffrey and give the ball to Tyler this Croft. Is the, yes. this, is the Ty- this is the Tyler Croft game. This is what we want yes. to see. <laughs> well, guys, do we want to want to look ahead to uh, sure. this matchup on Sunday? Sure. 
Yeah, we got uh, I got about 15 minutes left here. Um, the Chiefs come in with the highest scoring offense in the NFL, averaging 29.8 points per game. Uh, Zane, as you said earlier, Patrick Mahomes is on is on uh, on pace for uh, another incredible season: 4,800 plus yards, 50 touchdowns. The one thing that this team isn't doing as much is throwing deep without Tyreek, right? They brought in Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, from, from Green Bay. He's kind of their, their, their deep threat right now. But it doesn't seem like this team has missed a beat with, with Tyreek Hill gone. And so my question is, we'll start with the defensive side of the ball. What are the 49ers going to need to do to slow down this, you know, this high-scoring Kansas City offense? Pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. That's finish, so finish, like yeah. finish the pass rush yeah. too. Get them down on the ground. And and they've had, I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to it or it's just coincidence, but the three mo- mobile QBs they've played against, they've, they've lost to. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly not, you know, that they killed the defense or anything, but they, they, they did lose those games. Maybe just, you know, a play here and there extending their legs. Um, but yeah, they have to finish. Like you said, Zane, like they can't, because Mahomes is going to run out of it and make a play. So you got to get there and you got to finish. To me, that's the, especially if Ward doesn't play Mooney Ward and it doesn't really look that way. You're without your two starting corners. We don't know what we're going to get from Brett. Um, I will say I did see uh, right before we came on um, uh, a gentleman that I actually just started following. It looks like he, uh, he works for 1140, which is a local AM station in Sacramento, covers the 49ers. He was in the locker room today and he said that he heard uh, Traverius Ward say in the locker room uh, that he's going to practice tomorrow. So, oh, okay, that that would be great. Which tomorrow? So would that be would that would be great. Um, so you know, fingers crossed for that. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you guys. I think uh, ultimately finishing is really going to be the key to the game. Uh, I tweeted this out earlier. Uh, Mahomes has been blitzed on forty nine percent of his dropbacks this season, which is second highest in the NFL. Uh, Seventy four. Uh, times he's been blitzed on 151 dropbacks and he's uh that's resulted in a 24.6 percent pressure rate so he is pressured on one of every four dropbacks that he has but and and that's the eighth highest that's actually the same rate that matthew stafford has but the difference is is he's only been sacked 11 times which is the 12th lowest to put that in perspective right matthew stafford has been pressured on 24.6 percent of his dropbacks and that's resulted in 22 sacks. So it really is about finishing because, you know, he, I, I, I still remember Robert Sala telling his uh, defensive lineman, hey, don't, don't let that little duck run fool you, right? Like Mahomes, when he's jogging, <laughs> looks like he is in the most pain you've ever seen anyone with his feet or his hips or whatever, right? He runs like, he runs like he's 65 years old, right? But he's still, don't be fooled, right? He gets out, he extends plays, uh, he 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 just gets out of pressure. So ultimately, that I think is the biggest key to the game is Bosa will be back. Uh, he's been a, a full participant in practice. Uh, honestly, it, it's just contain on the outside, right? Try and get as much pressure as you can up the gut. If you've got a rush from the outside, you got to have someone that is there to contain. Otherwise, he will break the pocket and he will either A, extend the play or B, you know, scramble for, for four or five yards and then live to see another day. So finishing is going to be uh, the biggest key 
And then the, the other thing is Travis Kelsey is getting 25% of the target share in this offense right now, uh, which I was, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's got to be pretty close to the top in the league. And it's actually not. Uh, again, for reference, Cooper Cup is, has a target percentage of 31%. Uh, and, and the only other one that's higher than that is CeeDee Lamb, but I don't think he's played as much. Anyway, Travis Kelsey is the, is the straw that stirs the drink in this offense right now. Uh, he has uh, seven touchdowns and he has uh, 50 receptions or no, sorry. He has 42 receptions on 50 targets. They've got to figure out a way to, to either bracket him or double him, right? Which can be difficult because they flex him all over the, all over the, the formation, but the focus has got to be on Travis Kelsey because this team can't run the ball, doesn't run the ball, whatever you want to say. It's not going to be very similar to that Atlanta game where Atlanta just ran all over them. Kansas City can't run the ball or or chooses not to. I don't know, but you can really focus on on your pass defense at that point. So I'm interested to see what kind of of game plan D'Amico cooks up for for, for Patrick and, and this offense. Yeah, and and I think flipping over to the offensive side, like the, they similar to what they were. I, I mean, Atlanta's run defense was not very good, but the idea of them not being able to run the ball that theme probably carries over this week because Kansas City's rush defense is, is number four in the league right now. So I don't know if you're going to be able to run on them. Trent Williams coming back is huge. I think that's a, that's a really big addition because that he's the best left tackle in the game. But you're probably going to have to win by throwing it. And uh, Kansas City's t- bottom bottom 10 in the league in, pa- in, in past defense. So they've given up the most touchdowns in the league. So I think that for this, it's going to be those little quick screens, bubble screens, those little quick hitting passes that Jimmy loves to throw, like Kyle loves to call, supplementing the run plays, uh, getting them away from the defensive line. Like it, it's it's kind of funny and kind of interesting to me to see like such a stark difference for, for a really good team between their, their run defense and pass defense. You would think that those guys – run stopping and be able to get some pressure and be able to get to the quarterback. But I think that that's how they're going to win this game. If they are going to win it is by short, quick passes that act as runs and keeping the, keeping the ball away from them. If this, like if this turns into a shootout, the Niners are not going to win. Like they, they don't have the firepower to keep up. This team has trouble scoring 20 points in the game. Yeah. So they're going to have to control the clock, control the momentum. They're like, Jimmy cannot throw any interceptions. This has to be a perfect game from him. Like you can't turn the ball over. You, I don't know what they're going to do on defense to stop Kelsey. Like, I don't know what matchup they're, they have there. Like if you put a fung on him, Jimmy Ward is probably going to play guys. He's going to play with the club, but and I, I don't Hufunga, know. Gonna... I, and who is working his way through concussion protocol. It looks right. like he will be able to play on Sunday. Yep. So I don't know what, what the matchup is going to be there, but they, they target, like you said, they target him early and often, you know, where the ball's going and I it's, it's for them to win a lot's going to have to go right. And I don't know if they can pull it off. I really don't. Well, you know, it's this Chiefs team. They started out three and four last year. Obviously, they had some different pieces. But in this year, four and two. But if Herbert doesn't throw an interception in the end zone and Josh McDaniels doesn't, Josh, McDan- Josh McDaniels, they might be two and four. Like, the Chiefs haven't quite been the Chiefs yet. And that game against the Bills last week was a heavyweight fight. I know they're coming off a loss. But it was definitely, you know, may- maybe it took a lot out of them. I think the Niners have more of a chance here than maybe we think. You know, you hear the Chiefs and you think they're going to steamroll. Haven't totally done that yet. They did against the 
the Bucks, they put up 41 on them. And then I think they put up 44 in week one against Cardinals, I think. But overall, they've, you know, they lost to the Colts with only 17 points. It could be a more winnable game than maybe we're giving it credit for. But like you guys said, the defense has to show up and be the defense. And the Niners offense has to score around 20 points, obviously. Going to have to. But did you guys know it's National Tight End Day this week? Oh, exactly. yeah. NFL Communications yeah. put out a thing I thought was interesting. Um, the two tight ends with the highest yards per game in history are Travis Kelsey and uh, the artist formerly known as George Kittle when he used to get yards in games. Um, <laughs> but no, Kittle, for considering he's averaged like 20 yards a game for the last nine games, he's still at 65.8, I think it was, for his career. So, you know, Kittle's put up historic numbers. Um, and I think he's coming back around again. I'm kidding with the artist formerly known as. I think he's going to start really being involved in this offense again. I think last week's 80-some-odd yards or whatever it was, I think, was just the tip of the iceberg. I could see him kind of breaking out again. So, no, that, I want to see Tyler Croft getting the ball. <laughs> Tyler Croft game, baby. Give me Tyler, Tyler Croft. Croft. Tyler Croft. We don't need Kittle. Tyler Croft. Absolutely. <laughs> Ross Dwelly, Tyler Croft, Charlie Warner. You don't need your yes, $60 million dollar all pro I'm just kidding. I love Kittle. Give it to the other guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, I, th- I think the game is maybe the Niners play their game. It's more winnable than maybe people are giving it credit for. And if they do come out of it with this win, I mean, you know, just the narrative is going to change completely, right? I mean, all of a sudden, this was, this was as negative as a week as I can remember in the Shanahan era. Just, I don't know, just people are coming out of the woodwork or people are frustrated or whatever, but I just don't ever remember. Usually when you attack Kyle, people are like, whoa, what are you doing? This week, well, I put out what whatever it was I said about I said something negative, and I, I don't always read my replies on Twitter, but I was like, oh, let me go through because people are going to probably destroy me. Almost no one did. Like everybody was like, yeah, like we're pissed. This is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. So it's really interesting to see kind of where it is. So it's going to go. It's funny. I, I can't wait. I think it's just, again, this is entertainment. This is so entertaining. You have Harbaugh in the building. You have a really tough Chiefs team to play against. Just sit back and see where we are at halftime because it could be. It could just be, again, reality TV at its best. Um, but maybe the Niners come out with a win here, and, you know, I don't know. Nobody cares Jim's there. Well, you know, we'll see. Well, we need, we need predictions, guys. Uh, result predictions, score predictions. Drama. Uh, I'm going to start. Drama. I predict, I, I predict gonna, drama. I want Zane. I want, I'm gonna, we're going to start with Zane. All right, Zane? And also, is, is – I, I, I'm saying this in in jest. I'm not serious about this, but is Kyle the worst coach in the building on Sunday? Like Andy Reid on the other side? Like, <laughs> oh, no. He, like, <laughs> oh no! I want you to tweet that. I want oh, you to tweet that. No, I, I might if they lose. I think Fantastic. Losing, but, <laughs> but, but I think that man. So <laughs> it's watch really the world hard. burn, Zane. Just do it. Which is just just throw that grenade into 49ers Twitter, right? And just <laughs> oh man, so. I, I don't think they can do it, the guys. I, I know I tweeted out earlier this week, just watch them win. And everything's right. Everything will be rosy. If they win, we're going to be on the biggest high that we've had since the playoffs last year if they win, right? Like, it's going to be like a such a big uh, lifting sort of game if they do win. But I just think the injuries are too much. Like, Trent Williams coming back, like, after several weeks off, I mean, you know, needing time to, to kind of get acclimated. Mooney's banged up. Jimmy Ward is banged up. They're going to play, hopefully play through those injuries. Uh, you Bosa looks like he's going to play. So you do have guys coming back, but I just, I don't, I don't think the offense has enough to keep up. Like they, all Kansas City has to do is score twenty-one points, basically. That's it, because the Niners can't score twenty unless Kansas City turns the ball over. So I'm going to say, I hate, I hate saying this, but I'm going to say Kansas City wins, and it'll be uh they're the number one offense in the league, right? So twenty 
29 to 17. They're going to get, they're going to get safety because Jimmy's going to step out of bounds again, the end zone. <laughs> and then they're, they're, yeah. Oh man. I listen, I think Charlie Warner is going to score a touchdown and Tevin Coleman's going to score a touchdown. <laughs> and um, the Niners are going to break 20 points. That's the Al Sacco prediction. And, but they're still going to lose. I think, uh, yeah, I could see like maybe 31, 21, something like that. 31, 20. That's, that's what I think. Um, I still think the defense is banged up enough where maybe they're not going to quite be the defense. Um, I, <laughs> like I said at the beginning of the show, guys, 94 throwbacks, right? Aaron Andrews on the sideline, which means Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have his one, of better, one of his better games because he's going to want that post-game interview, right? <laughs> and, and maybe we get another feels great, baby, like 2.0. That would be phenomenal, right? And Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers record when they are underdog. They are incredibly good. The Chiefs came off a, a difficult loss against the Bills, a physical loss. They are likely without one of their starting corners like the 49ers. Rashad Fenton still hasn't practiced for them this week. Uh, and that is three days in a row. And we are recording this uh, Thursday. Uh, we still don't have the practice participation for the 49ers. Uh, but again, m according to a source in the locker room, uh, Mooney Ward will be practicing tomorrow. Uh, that would be uh, go a long way towards being able to to slow down this Kansas City offense. They come in uh, averaging 29.8 points per game, which is best in the league. 49ers still uh, only giving up 14.8 points per game, right? They haven't faced, I mean, Atlanta's the best offense that they've faced thus far. Uh, and they held that Atlanta offense to 21 points. Uh, I think they have the capability of, of at the very least, slowing this Chiefs offense down. And I, I think this is a game where we see Kyle Shanahan get in his bag, not only because there's been some, some Kyle slander this week, but because this is a game that I can almost guarantee he is desperate to win against this team. And so I think he's going to pull out some, some stops. I, hey, you know what I would love to see? A Juwan Jennings wide receiver pass, right? Juwan Jennings went to Tennessee as a, as a quarterback recruit. Let's turn him into Mohamed Sanu 2.0, right? Let's give him a, a, a perfect passer rating. And I, I, think, I think that the defense can slow them down enough and the offense can get enough on the, on the board. So I am, going to, I am going to say the 49ers win this game. And I'm going to say they win it 27-24. Wow. And they went on the Juwan Jennings touchdown pass to Tyler Croft. Exactly. With, to <laughs> Tyler Croft. Yeah. As time expires. <laughs> as time expires. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me, so then it would be 23, then it would be what? 26, 26, 26 yeah. yeah. No, I'll say 27, 24. Uh, the 49ers figure out a way to pull it out and they have one more game before the bye, and then they get to come back healthy. One thing that we need to look for, Jason Verrett has been a full participant in practice all week. Could he, could he play? On Sunday, it's possible, depending on, I think, what, what happens with Mooney Ward. Uh, I don't think Verrett will play next week against the Rams. That's on turf. And then we'll come back after the bye, back to the home, home field. So I think they pull it out. You guys, you pessimists, you, you don't have faith in them. But, uh, but, but I think they do it. I think they pull out a victory against these Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, and I think we look back on this season as this game being uh, a turning point for not only the team, but the offense as well. Well, then I look forward to doing the next intro 
to the next pod. That's right. Show. Yes. Yeah, we'll be back uh, Sunday evening. Zane will be uh, doing our intro because that will be a victory pod and uh, everything will be right in the world. And we won't be talking about Jim Harbaugh anymore. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I think we're we're about Harbaugh. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like at the halftime, it's going to be really interesting. So I'm sure yeah. we'll mention it, but hopefully we'll mention it in the Niners win. We can also, really on. quick before we get out of here, Al, is this the worst ALCS ever? Yankees and Astros? Ew. Yeah, 17 Ew. strikeouts yesterday. Ew. Yeah, yeah it's, it's gross. I don't, I don't feel good about this at all. I don't feel good about it. Yankees <laughs> bullpen is beat up. I yeah. hate the Astros, man. Hate Me too. Them. Me too. Hate them. It's, yeah, last night was not fun. But hey, maybe we'll bounce back tonight. We'll see. Yeah, it goes. All right, guys, we'll be back Sunday to break it all down again. For Brian and Zane, I'm Al. Peace. Later.